0: Hello and welcome back to the Loyal Sun Show. That's at the Loyal Suns on Twitter. Follow us there and follow us here for pit sports content you won't want to miss. If you love walking into traps and taking over said traps and hate Lincoln Riley, this is the place for you. The Loyal Sun Show. A safe, sunshiny place for your pit athletics fix. Brought to you by our new sponsor, Rendine Consulting, hand. providing investment managers' assistance with technology integration. Hand. Today is Wednesday, May 25th, and it's finally over. After a full month, Pitt fans are finally free from the
1: Jordan Addison saga. We're free until every game he plays getting updates of how good or bad he did. Yeah. We'll never
2: be free. This, uh... This, we'll never leave Pitt fans. We'll always remember uh, this fateful month. Um, but, you know, if the rest of the team steps up and goes and wins another ACC championship, uh, it, won't, it won't sting nearly as much. Pac-12 rings are worthless anyway. I mean, if...
0: If there's one silver lining that comes out of this, we indirectly forced the two biggest coaches in the SEC to get into a very public fight this week. That doesn't happen without us. Not us in this room, but
2: Pitt. Pitt, the instigators of college football? Yes. Yeah, I mean, I think the result was exactly what we were told it was going to be when the news broke, and... uh I don't know how much of it was legitimate. The the visits to Texas, how much legitimate interest there really was, or if it was just all smoke and mirrors to make the very apparent uh, tampering going on seem a little less, you know, direct. But either way, it was it was uh, quite the month to follow along. Well, let's let's talk about it. Um, so, if you're living under a rock,
0: um, at the end of April, Jordan Addison entered. Entered the transfer portal amid heavy rumors that um, he was uh, being poached by USC. uh, And he has spent the last month evaluating his options. And just recently, last week, uh, on Thursday, announced that he would be transferring to uh, the University of Southern California. Uh, So there's a lot of takes on how this came about, and and you know the development of this story. I'm interested to hear what you guys think is the most likely. I know I have my personal thoughts. Are we doing
2: conspiracy theories, or Dylan? You have creative freedom.
1: Okay. I think my conspiracy theory is true, but Dylan, you can go first, and I'll I'll chime in. Um, Lincoln Riley was looking
2: at his receivers room, you know. And it was like, you know, we have a, a donor in Southern California in the center of L.A. who has a bunch of extra money he wants to throw at the team. Uh, if we want to get through the vaunted uh, Pac-12 West or whatever division they're in, we need to add a former Bolitnikoff award winner. Made some calls. Jordan Addison saw some some dollar signs. He couldn't uh, made him an offer he couldn't refuse. And then in fear of... Uh, being ruled ineligible this season, or you know, having something bounce back on USC, he
1: pretended that he was interested in
2: some other schools for a month.
1: Yeah, I think that's what <laughs> happened. Uh, some other things to look at. This is not the first time USC has done this. Caleb Williams followed uh, Lincoln Riley to USC from Oklahoma, but if you remember, he didn't go there right away. He he took his visits. And at the very last minute there was like a, a Wisconsin push. Was like, is he really interested in Wisconsin? And, oh yeah, no. USC. Same thing with Addison. The USC hype was the highest. Then it cooled down. People thought maybe Texas had an actual shot because of the Marion connection. But the dust settled and it was USC. So uh they know what they're doing, probably covering their tracks in some way, shape, or form. I think, uh, Maybe USC. I don't know if they did or didn't, but Pat Narduzzi straight up said there were a lot of schools that reached out to Jordan Addison and they had to fight him off. Maybe this U- was, that was prior to. Yeah, this USC. was like back in, in like Texas, January, in February. Texas was one of them. Texas was most certainly one of them. I don't know if USC was in that bunch. Maybe they took a shot. They heard thought,
2: Alabama thrown around. Yeah. I mean, all the you know the richest
1: schools. So I think what Dylan said happened. They tried to get a few uh receivers in the portal they thought maybe we can't afford Jordan Addison but come transfer portal deadline they say screw it we have fuck you money uh we'll just do it and they did i
0: similar similar sequence of events but i i disagree with you guys on on one thing um I don't think anybody is afraid of the NCA right now. Yeah. I don't think that Addison taking his time in the portal had anything to do with fears that he would, uh, be ineligible next season or that USC would get into trouble or that the NCA would step in and say, mm-hmm. this can't happen. I don't think anyone is afraid of them right now. They have, uh, no teeth. It's like they grew up in Morgantown. The NCA is toothless. Um, While I think there is some component of it that he wanted to make this look fair and above board by entering by by evaluating his options, I think what's more likely is someone who's pretty smart got in Jordan's ear and said, why would you just go to the first school to offer you a blank check? If you go into the portal, you can force a bidding war. Yeah. And I think that's what ended up happening. I don't know what... Yeah, I would agree with that. I don't know what the eventual size, the NIL deal. I do know that the first thing that we heard um, before he entered the transfer portal was USC is offering him an NIL deal that would include $2 million into a house, and then the figure that came out as he was entering the transfer portal was very much the same, uh, and, and that was like national correspondence speaking on it. So I don't think that we got false information at the beginning. I think it was USC. I think it was, you know, always probably going to be USC. But I wouldn't be surprised if in the last month, Addison and his camp was able to get USC to punch that number up a little bit. uh, In response to other schools with deep pockets uh, also taking him on visits, having their quarterbacks throw to him. And uh, having some meetings with some people
2: who are not technically affiliated with the university. Yeah. I, that's I, the world we live in now. I, I think all of that's probably pretty accurate. Or close to what happened. And, yeah, I mean, he he realized that, you know, there was no rush for him to make a decision. He didn't need to make a decision. You know, he could still be in the portal if he wanted to. But, uh, you know, feel his options out. Um, at the end of the day, I still don't blame Jordan Addison. I don't blame him for taking... That much money, um, you know, that's hard to pass up. Life changing money, uh, generational wealth type of money.
1: Um, probably too much money for a one year wide receiver, no yeah. matter how good he is. But that's just college football. Yeah, I mean, blitz. if the three and a
2: half million figure is accurate, that's uh, about three times more than the Steelers would be playing paying George Pickens to play wide receiver next year. But you know, it's also probably
0: more than anybody in that locker room is going to be making other than Lincoln Riley. So that that's going to be an interesting, uh, you know, kind of dichotomy because I know people always talk about how Urban Meyer failed in the NFL and part of it is because he didn't realize he's walking into a room where everybody is making more money than him. And it, 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 there's a power shift in professional sports when you're coming from college. So how that's going to work. He, he could be the first... Example of this in the history of college football. Well, I guess Reggie Bush probably made a lot more than a lot of assistants, but... You, you know what I'm saying. Yeah, USC's used to it.
2: That's actually a good point. Maybe it won't be that big of a distraction.
1: Let's shift the pit now. How does this affect us?
2: Enough USC talk. Uh, so, at this wait, point... Wait, wait, one second. They're going to go 8-4 and four next year. They have nothing
0: in... <laughs> Either side of the ball along the trenches, they're going to start preseason top ten, and then it'll go
2: pretty sideways from there, I think. But okay, give us now, a, give us a bowl game against them, unless that means you know we'll probably play in a New Year's Six bowl. They'll be playing in uh, the Poinsettia Bowl in San Diego. Yeah, but, uh, so maybe not. But so I have seen way too much of Pitt fans trying to downplay this. Like, we didn't just lose the best wide receiver in the country and the most talented player who would have been on this year's football team. A, a top five game breaker in the entire sport. Probably a no-doubter, no-brainer first-round pick next year at a position that can very much shift the winner and loser of football games. All that to be said, I still feel really good about the receiver room, but let's not act like this is just like, they're just going to fill the next man up. Like yeah. There is production being lost right now.
1: If this happened years ago and let's say Tyler Boyd left, I'd be pretty worried because there was not too much depth back then. You had like Devin Street, but uh, you needed help. Right now uh, I know we have a good group of guys that can step up. A lot of High praise from Kanata Mumpfield. And Jared Wayne is Jared Wayne. All reliable.
2: Jaden Bradley. Uh, Bub Means. He's ready to go this year. Jalen Barden. Um, all kinds of names out there. But the thing Addison for, Copeland. The greatest Addison ever sued up for the Pitt Panthers. Correct. Especially at receiver. Um, but the, the thing that... The toughest part for me to get over is like... Yeah, like, Canada Mumfield as a number two, or Jared Wayne as a number two, as your two and three guys, is like, wow, we have an embarrassment of riches. But now, those guys have to be your number one, your number two guys, um, and fill that void. It it lends me a little bit of concern uh, on, on that side of the ball, with the passing game, especially breaking a new quarterback. Um, whoever that may be, whether it's yeah, Nick Paddy or Keith We saw Sanders. that
1: in the Peach Bowl a little bit. Uh, Davis Bevel, you say, look to that side of the field where number three is at, and it'll be all right. Keaton yeah. uh, Slovis and Nick Patty, much better quarterbacks than what Davis Bevel was being thrown to the fire. So that's the ultimate safety blanket. So now, uh, gonna be a little bit harder to. Uh,
0: yeah, I mean, remember graduate. when he, he took that, like, little in route 80 yards off of nothing? Like, he had, he had nothing at his disposal
2: and yeah. still just put the entire team on his back and yeah yeah that's the type of that's the type of plays that you lose you lose out on a guy who is just just nothing other than the best athlete or the best football player on the field at any given time who's just better than the 11 on the other side of the ball um but you know here a little bit we talked to john john morgan uh, in our interview coming up it does sound like and we already knew this um that Pitt's going to make it more of a point to run the ball this year, and they're going to play a style of offense that maybe doesn't lend lend itself to needing you know three hundred yards receiving from from the group of the receivers. Um, he know. made
0: some interesting. Uh, you have to listen to the interview, but he made some interesting uh, pro comparisons to our offensive style this year. Right. I yeah. think all three of us kind of perked up when he said it because uh, as much as we want to entirely blame Jordan Addison leaving on. Um, us being a have not and USC being a super have. Um, it, it, I couldn't help but think that it did kind of support some of the rumors that the Addison camp very clearly was trying to float out when he entered the transfer portal around like concerns about the style of play, uh, that, that coach Frank
2: Signetti would be putting out there. Um, Yeah, and I would have bought that if he would have transferred, like, shortly after spring ball and not, you know, literal, like, hours before the transfer portal deadline was up, um, which just kind of feels more like a a huge number was thrown at him and made him want to leave. But, um, no, I I agree with you. There is—it certainly seems like there's a little more um, legitimacy to those claims that he he
1: could have been worried about his role in the offense this year. I'll— provide a spin zone here that uh, shift from passing every down last year to a more run-centric offense will help our offense deal with that loss a lot better. Right, but it also,
0: (laughs) I mean, if I could just watch what we did last year until I die. Yeah, mm -hmm. I, I could probably live with that. I could live with that. Um and I mean, run-heavy pit teams are fun. Darren Hall and Quadriolison, that was a hell of a time to watch. Um, and I am excited for them to finally utilize Izzy Abanacanda like a uh, six-foot-two-twenty brick shit house that runs a 4'4 that no one can catch around the edge. And I, I look forward to that. Um, but I, I want to believe the version of events that I believe about why a top five player in the country left our program that it's because those those evil monsters from you know the other coast had all the money in the world and not because of some something that pitts offense is going to be lacking this
2: year yeah well it's May you can believe your your reality if you want to No one's going to stop you. It's true. So, where do we stand? Are we... What is your confidence level from April to now the end of May? Beginning of April to end of May in in what this Pitt football team, specifically the offense,
1: will look like next year?
2: Because I I feel like we were all pretty confident that the offense was too loaded to not just come out and score 40 a game again.
1: Yeah, I'll say this. Uh... Before the jordan Addison saga, I thought, no matter who the quarterback is, we'll be fine. We don't need them to be amazing for this team to have an amazing year. Now that he's gone, we're going to need whoever that number one quarterback is to be uh, a little sharper, carry the team a little bit more. The margin for error for our starting quarterback, whoever he
2: may be, just became razor thin. I would like to point out last time, Frank Signity was the offensive coordinator at Pitt. Uh, they had three skill position players who were on All-American teams. Jonathan Baldwin, at wide receiver, made a third-team All-American team. Honorable mention, All-American team. Dion Lewis was pretty much consensus, consensus second-team All-American at running back. And then they had some uh, tight end named Dickerson, uh, who made some All-American teams, I guess. Was he a... F- was he an All-American?
0: I guess so. Yeah, yeah. It's weird. I've never heard yeah. him bring it up. Um, <laughs> no, but I... I, I to, to expound on what John's saying, the margin of error is so much thinner for this pit team now. I mean, we've seen that Jordan Addison can win you football games. He won the Virginia game. That wasn't Kenny's sharpest game. That wasn't our defense's sharpest game. He willed us to victory, Jordan Addison. So my fear is, our our ceiling with Jordan Addison and with a playmaker of his caliber was a team that made loud playoff noise. I'm not saying that we were a playoff team. I'm saying imagine that two week stretch we had earlier in the, like the 2021 season where we we thought pick could sneak in before Miami ruined all of our dreams. Um, but that, for like a significant chunk of the season, um, I thought you know that was a very likely outcome. Now, I I don't think that's the case. I I think we are going to compete for the ACC again, especially if um, the Signetti Narduzzi vision comes to fruition, which is going to be a run heavy offense that eats up the clock and a defense that is suffocating. This is a top twenty team, but I I was going into this season with playoff hopes, and I I just don't
2: feel like that is realistic at this point. Maybe it's better our expectations were tempered a little bit. There was a lot of playoff talk going on and that was uh, that just was setting us up for heart heart ripped out of our chest.
0: It's better to love it and have lost than to have never loved at all.
2: Yeah, whatever. Hail to Pitt. F F Lincoln Riley. We have a censor button. You can say, F*** Lincoln Riley. Scumbag. Alright, F*** Lincoln Riley.
0: So I don't know about you guys, but I'm, uh, pretty tired of bitching about Jordan Addison and USC and NIL rules.
2: Yes, I am also.
0: Do you guys want to bitch about like a different thing?
2: Yes. Mm-hmm. Perfect. It's my favorite thing to do.
0: Well, I think I have the the perfect thing for this. Um, did you guys see uh, the college football's twenty best quarterbacks ranking from uh, Brad Crawford at twenty four seven Sports?
2: Oh, we saw it. I think that's why we're talking about it. I saw the list. Spoiler alert, Keaton Slovis or Nick Patty are not on the list. Um, there are some bums who are. I don't know that we have that big of a gripe there, but I do have a gripe with some of the rankings. So,
0: Yeah, I don't know how relevant this is. I've actually never heard of Brad Crawford before today. Uh but honestly, I have a lot of pent-up vitriol right now about college sports, and I need a better outlet for it than to come at Jordan Addison for thirty minutes once a week until September. Yeah, correct. So
2: let's hand on this guy. One of you uh take us through the list. Yeah, I'll just go um, So, not too much surprise at the top two spots. Bryce Young at number one, CJ Stroud at number two. Coming in at number three, we just can't get away from uh, USC, but Caleb Williams in that third spot. Um, I don't think that's that crazy. I don't know that I think he's the best third or third best quarterback in the country, but uh, the number four gets a little weird. Dylan Gabriel coming in at four, and then KJ Jefferson from Arkansas at five. So I think we can stop there for the time being. I watched Arkansas multiple times last year. I know Squid has his uh, his hogs. He loves his hogs, but KJ Jefferson
1: stinks. I was a very avid hog supporter last year. That was one of my few non-pit teams that I was uh, just hyped for because I have nothing against Arkansas. Sam Pittman is like a great dude. Yeah, and there were funding to root for, and it was also. Uh, Perfect because they play a bunch of teams that I hate. So, I did watch them quite a bit. They had no passing attack. Uh, yeah, it was borderline bad at times. I think that they're going to be one of my uh, bets that I make this year. I'm going to bet Pitt over seven and a half wins. Whatever Arkansas is under is, I'm going to bet that. I think they were America's sweetheart last year, and they're going to uh, come back down to earth next year.
0: Yeah, I'm not going to make the same mistake uh, with them this year that I made with Indiana two years ago. I mean, that was just foolish on my part, but... What, the,
2: what, what was your take on Indiana, for those who uh, aren't aware? Uh, I thought they were
0: going to be competitive for the Big Ten title. At the year the year after they beat Penn State and went, what? What, what, like 6-2 in an eight-game
1: season. Yeah, you know what and they I, went last year? Uh, like two and something. Two and ten. Yeah. <laughs> they got all the preseason hype. We were all obviously complaining about it because it was an overrated Big Ten team in like the top 15. But you, you stood up for them. And we won't ever forget. That's fair. Next on the list, number six, Hendon Hooker. Yeah, this one's relevant to us. Hopefully this is a... He not take this big of a jump. But we're familiar with Hendon Hooker more than like anyone else. He's played against us like ten times between schools, he's been benched, he's beat us, there's been everything in between. I will say,
2: um, by the end of last year, I was like, uh, watching some Tennessee games, I was like, Hendon Hooker's actually pretty good, and I'm a little worried about playing him next year. He didn't scare me too much, I mean, Virginia Tech, I mean, he he was awful, um, and then even in the game he came and played against Pitt last year, uh, coming in the back of Pyle Milton, uh, <laughs> like... He made some plays, but I was like, okay, you know, flashes here and there. But by the end of last year, he was a he was a legitimate stud for Tennessee. So I'm a little yeah, about
0: that. That that offense suited him well. Um, I don't know how I feel about the sixth best quarterback in the NCAA. Right. He definitely does
1: worry me a little bit. I did watch some Tennessee programming on the SEC Network the other day, and there, there's some hype there. Uh, that's a scary offensive scheme. They're I don't think they were. I don't think it was that good, but it's just that scheme, and it's just like it's scary because they torch on like three bubble screens and all the deep shots. It's you know our pressure points, and we're gonna we're gonna sack them like fourteen times, and it won't matter. So yeah, I'll I'll put that to bed right there.
0: <laughs> well, I think I think like Arkansas,
2: they're gonna be a really trendy
0: pick this year.
2: I mean, you don't walk into the North Shore and push push Narduzzi around. Especially week two, after, after a big win over West Virginia. So, no, no. Um, s- seven on the list, we got Grayson McCall from Coastal Carolina. Not super relevant to Pitt. I like him. I like him a lot. He is my
0: pick for uh, the Kenny Pickett of the year. Uh, as in a guy who comes in and just like drastically improves his draft stock. I would want to see him switch with Dylan Gabriel. Because, I mean, they're both... They both played nobody for a long time, uh, but Dylan Gabriel was winning was willing Coastal Carolina to near undefeated seasons, and, and Dylan Gabriel I just
2: don't feel the same about. Okay. Uh, that's the FaceTime Coastal Carolina we'll get on this. Uh,
1: this I'm still upset here. that
2: they beat BYU that one year. <laughs> Can I give them some side... Uh,
0: uh FaceTime. Some some ricochet FaceTime. I'm sure. We just took a recruit for them.
2: Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Carter Williams. Carter Johnson. Other, Carter Johnson. Other very common last name. Yeah. Oh. Number eight. I I have beef with this. Spencer Rattler. I'm done I've had enough with the Spencer Rattler hype.
1: I think one of the easiest jobs in all of college sports is being a quarterback. For Oklahoma specifically under Lincoln Riley, and he was not able to succeed in that role. He was very underwhelming, and Caleb Williams was plugged as a true freshman who looked a million times better. Uh, I I don't think he has it. South Carolina, kind of on the rise. People kind of like them because they don't suck anymore.
2: Yeah, I mean he'll stink in like South Carolina. They'll like make make them interesting. Seven and five. Yeah,
1: they're going seven and five, and he's going to make some boneheaded plays. take them out of games and he went from it's just all the hype the hype guys make me mad Spencer Rattler was a preseason first overall pick in all the mock drafts and I'm like no he's not he wasn't if this
0: were a ranking of punchable faces I could see Spencer Rattler being top 10 but I'm quite frankly over pretending that he is an elite college football talent he's just kind of he, he came in with all the hype in the world, uh, you know backing up Kyler Murray, being a you know a freshman all world QB1. He just hasn't lived up to it. I'm, I'm over it. We can stop pretending.
1: The next four on the list are very relevant to us. Numbers 9, 10, 11, and 12. Devin Leary number nine. Tyler Van Dyke number 10. Sam Hartman. Number 11. And Brendan Armstrong, number 12. I'm not convinced that
2: Brendan Armstrong isn't the best of that bunch. Individually,
1: maybe the scariest. <laughs> I will go as far to say I'm very convinced he's the best of that bunch. Just the worst supporting cast by like a pretty wide margin. I low-key have a lot of respect for Brendan Armstrong.
0: Ah, A lot is overselling it. I low-key have some respect for Brendan Armstrong.
2: More than I can say for the others.
0: Yeah, he... That guy watched his entire team take off into the transfer portal. And coach. The coach left. And coach. His coach retired. And... He could have gone to any school in the country that didn't have, like, a very established uh, quarterback situation and immediately started for, like, a a national contender, I think. And he he stuck with
2: his guys in Virginia.
0: He's gonna throw for six hundred yards a game this year in twenty
2: point losses. Yeah, I think uh some of my my disagreements here might also come out of uh, you know, spite because Devin Leary and Tyler Van Dyke have both beaten Pitt in games that were heartbreaking, heart wrenching, and both shredded the pit defense.
1: I'll say as much as this: I'm glad we don't face Stephen Leary until maybe the ACC championship game. NC State's a team that brings back legitimately almost everybody, and they're they're
0: getting some crazy preseason hype for a ACC school that wasn't that came third in its division
2: last year. Yeah. And he's the reason why. Leary's a big reason for it. So, um, I, also, I'm not too thrilled that we have to play Tyler Van Dyke. I'm slightly concerned about him, but I also feel like he may just be Sam Howell 2.0 and drop off after... Uh, I mean, Sam Howell still had a good career at UNC, but he may not... Sam Howell did not end up being what people thought Sam Howell was going to be after his freshman year.
1: Yeah, I think I got a little bit of that too... Obviously he put up some very big numbers against us and kind of shocked the world. He the Miami quarterback he's probably doing what people thought Derrick King would do there. So yeah, it's a little nerving to see his progression, but like you said, we got a new coach, new coordinator maybe the young guy uh, will come back down to earth
0: i've I've got a got a hot take that I will express in verbal meme. Uh, Tyler Van Dyke, Caleb Williams, and Sam Howell are three Spider-Men pointing at each other. And the meme says, guys who had it impressive first six starts as freshmen, so uh, automatically made preseason All-American for the rest of their career, but never panned out. A little bit wordy, I'm workshopping it, but I secretly think Caleb Williams might be a lot more hype than he's worth and a little bit of that is out of spite but I also went back and looked at some of his numbers last year and he had like two really great games and then a bunch of games where he
2: threw for like a buck 50 I am also in agreement with you there I think uh, like I said I don't think Caleb Williams the third will be when we come and look at this list at the end of the year the list that matters I don't think we'll say Caleb Williams is the third best uh, quarterback in the country Will Tyler Van Dyke be a top 10? I don't know. And then Sam Hartman. I I think he would be higher on this list if Pitt didn't absolutely like rip his soul out, stomp on it, chew it up, spit it back out, and do it all again uh, in the ACC Championship last year. But I don't think anyone can get the, the image out of their head of Sam Hartman just looking completely dejected on the sideline.
1: With a terrible haircut. With
2: a terrible haircut. And uh... Basically, the entire broadcast team just discussing, like, the importance of mental health and mental health awareness while simultaneously panning the Sam Hartman sitting on the bench looking like he never wants
1: to play football again. Um, Yeah. So, I think that that probably impacted his ranking on this. It's crazy. I see guys like David Hale is a big one. who does this. They put up stats of, like, the only seven quarterbacks to accomplish this many yards, this many touchdowns, and this completion percentage— Over like a three years span in the last 10 years of these guys, the NFL, this Heisman finalist, and Sam Hartman. It's always a list like that. And I'm like, wow, that is pretty impressive. But remember what he did against Pitt last year? Didn't look too hot. So he will put up great numbers because it's... Wake Forest, and that's what they're going to do. Yeah, but I, think I think that gimmicky offense it must, just yeah, yeah it
2: just won't work against Clemson or Pitt. Yeah, I think people so. are lowering the ceiling for Wake Forest and Sam Harmon. Also, it's like it's Wake Forest; like they're not going to probably not going to be that good at football two years in a row. But
0: we'll see. They return a lot of talent. Thirteen and fourteen, we can kind of brush through. Uh, Cam Rising from Utah and Will Rogers from Mississippi State. Uh, Will Rogers is an air raid guy Playing under Mike Leach So he's going to put up some crazy numbers this year Cam Rising I admittedly don't know a ton about uh, But I feel like Utah Is going to be pretty
1: competitive again this year Don't
2: know a singular thing But I'll be rooting for them against USC
1: Absolutely He moment. went off against Ohio State in that uh, bowl game Yes he did when they just, they just The Rose like, Bowl yeah, That bowl game what? You know that one
0: <laughs> uh, Number 15 is interesting Will Levis, that banana peel eating freak in Kentucky. Levis, I believe is
1: the. Why is he a banana peel eating freak? Uh, he eats his bananas whole. Oh, <laughs> Have you've never seen that. Have you never yeah. seen that. No,
2: <laughs> pull it up on your phone. Watch yeah, it. let's get a live reaction for me. But yeah, Will Levis was uh, Sean Clifford's backup one point long, long ago. Um,
0: Transferred in. Made it abundantly apparent that he is much better than Sean Clifford. Well, he would get in,
1: and they just run like QB powers with him. Like he's like, yeah, a good athlete. But I don't know why James Franklin thought that this guy was just like Cam Newton.
2: Also saw him as QB one on one of the like way too early mock drafts. Yeah, like so that's
0: <laughs> that's kind of what surprised me with with this because he is getting all of the preseason smoke. Yeah. He is the guy that, and, and college football analysts, love do, football analysts love doing this, the guy that, in their mind, they just create these scenarios where he could potentially take a giant leap and then are so convinced it's all reality that it's just assumed. And I think Devin Leary's getting a little bit of that this year, but no one's getting
1: it more than Will Levis. Well, you see it all the time. especially whatever. You see it all the time, and especially now, because everyone can just say, who is the next Kenny Pickett? and they just list every single like third or fourth year starter and say, well, he was okay a couple of years ago. He was kind of good last year. Maybe he'll take a jump like Kenny Pickett. No. Oh, I saw. It's a gross-looking banana peel, too. Oh, that is a that is a fully rotten banana.
2: Yeah, that guy can't be QB1. I'm sorry. Um, Wait, you, got, you guys want to hear another fun one? He puts mayonnaise in his coffee instead of creamer. Okay, so he's a psychopath. I'm done with the whole episode. Um, Aiden O'Connell at 16 from Purdue. Um, do will get seven wins and have a... We wrote rooting for him against Penn State week one, though. Yeah, So I'll be team Aiden O'Connell. Uh, 17, once again, relevant to Pitt. Malik Cunningham. Um, we talked about this a little before we started recording and all kind of agreed that his stats were a little better than what we thought but also that they may have been some empty stats against bad teams. So he threw 19 touchdowns last year, but ran for 21. He threw for 2,900 yards, which isn't nothing. To be fair, nine of those 19 touchdowns came against Duke and Syracuse in back-to-back games. Um, I, I don't like to downplay guys' stats because they put up big numbers against bad teams because that's what good players should do. Um but yeah, I'll be interested to see, um, it's going to be hard to, you know, throw for a lot of yards and run for a lot of yards when, uh, John Morgan, have Baldonado, and Kaleja Cansey are putting you
1: three feet deep into the turf every play. Well, that happened. Last time you came to Heinz Field, well, I guess the last time we played Louisville, in like recent memory, um, the COVID year. Yeah. You had a pretty mediocre game, and the last play of the game, you threw that pick and basically need to be carted off the field. Yeah. Uh, Defense is pretty good at balling him up that time. I think he's the Russell Westbrook of the ACC. Yeah, he has all those great numbers, but most of them come whenever they're losing by like 17 in the second quarter already because their defense didn't play well enough. And their offense went three and out a couple times, and they're just playing come from behind. Good player, but...
2: It's hard to play quarterback when your head's detached from your shoulders, and that's what it will be like after the second quarter of the pick game, so I'm not too concerned. (laughs)
0: <laughs> the last couple guys. Quinn Ewers, who has never played a down. Uh Jackson Dart, who I think that's just kind of based on he is young and playing uh for Mike Kiffin. For Lane Kiffin. Number twenty is my personal favorite on the list, and a guy I think could end up very much in the top five of this, and I think is underrated. Anthony Richardson. He was the backup for Florida last year. He backed up Emery Jones. Can I read his the, the stat lines for his first two collegiate games? These are not starts. This is him showing up like once a series.
2: Yeah, you can read them. It's our podcast.
0: Yeah, you're right. <laughs> Three for eight for 40 yards. No touchdowns. Seven carries for 160 yards. at a touchdown. Week two. 3-for-3, three three, 152 yards, and 2 touchdowns. That is that is 50 yards a pass attempt and uh, a touchdown on 66% of his passing attempts. And pair that with 4 carries for 115 yards and a touchdown. He touched the football 7 times. And accounted for three touchdowns and two hundred and seventy-seven yards of offense. Seven touches. Who was that against? South Florida. Are we? Are we really going to nitpick? At, I was actually just curious. Are we really <laughs> going to nitpick
2: at forty yards a touch in a Division One college football game? And they somehow still were trotting Emory Jones out last year.
0: Yeah, the rest of his stats aren't as impressive because I, I think, I mean, it was Dan Mullen trying to cling on to his job, just throwing shit at a wall, and uh, the team was fully in collapse mode. But he, he can do some stuff.
2: Yeah, it'll be fun to watch. They'll go seven and five.
1: <laughs> yeah. Speaking of seven and five, uh, was Sean Clifford on the list anywhere? You know, yeah. Skimming back through it, I'm not seeing him. No, he wasn't. Is <laughs> Drew O'Lara on the list? No, because he threw three interceptions <laughs> in the spring game.
2: <laughs> How many people were at the spring game? <laughs> now we're getting to the stuff that really matters. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Alright. That's probably the most do you think that's the record for the most we've talked about non pit pit stuff on on the show? It might be. I think I think this was
0: just more than anything a mental exercise for us just to We gotta get back in the swing of things. This you know? is akin to therapy for us to, to talk about not Jordan Addison. Take that anger and vitriol out on something else.
1: Okay, so where would we plug Nick, Patty, and Keaton Slobis on this one, list? One and two. One and one A. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is there anyone other than those two that are not on this list
2: that you would want to see on this list? Nate Yarnell. Yeah, you're right. Um, but actually... Uh, no. I've got nothing. I can't believe they left off Bo Nicks. I mean, Jared Wayne statistically <laughs> is one of them. Yeah, Jared Wayne could even throw his
1: hat in the ring there. That's true. I'd slide him in at like 18 right behind Quinn Ewers. I'd, I'd probably put him. A, he's, he's more proven. He's proven more
0: <laughs> yeah. as a as a passer in his Division One career than Quinn Ewers. Um, but to to elaborate on on Bo Nix, I'm just surprised that it took five full years for us to stop pretending going into every season that Bo Nix was going to have some crazy breakout year.
1: We've just finally arrived at the fact that he's just terrible. Yeah, he went to the Pac 12. That's what all the terrible players do. We did go to Oregon, which is like not the worst.
2: I'll be rooting for Bo next this year when they play uh, that that team from Southern California. Which one? Is it Southern California? Yeah. Okay. All right. I think that's enough of this. Yeah. I I think we've. I wonder uh, how many people have fast forwarded through this.
0: Almost certainly everyone. If you're listening, uh, DM us and you get 10 Loyal Sons points and a dollar
2: towards an Attendant State t-shirt. Ooh. Yeah. Look at that. Wow. All right. Now we get to talk about the next best topic. Pit basketball? Yeah. (laughs) Hooray. Come that time of every you know quarter or so where we decide to give Pitt basketball uh, just a little bit of our time. I don't know how many of our listeners actually care or want to hear about our input on the basketball
1: program, but... I can think of one. I, I was asked one time to do a breakdown of the roster, and I was not too excited to do it, but felt obligated we should. There are... We
0: owe it to our fan.
1: There are quite a few new names on the list, and believe it or not, we started as Cable Faithful, so we have to stay true to our roots. Yeah,
2: this is Cable Faithful. The group chat we text in is actually still called Cable Faithful, so uh, the nostalgia's there. But yeah, I mean, Pitt actually has 11 scholarship players right now, um, and a few transfers have come through, so I figured it's worth talking about. Um, I'm going to go out and say it. I'm going to go out on a limb and say Pitt's roster uh, for next season will be better than the roster they had last year. Wow. That's um, not very big shoes to fill. Uh, we had a walk-on playing about 15 to 20 minutes a game in ACC games. Uh, but I do think they will be better, at least roster-wise. Um, so just run through the list. We'll run through who they got. Um Right now, as it stands today, in terms of guards, we have uh, Jamarius Burton coming back. Nike Sabonde will be back uh, after a knee injury that stole the 2021 season from him. Nate Santos, uh, freshman shooter, didn't play a whole lot of meaningful minutes last year, but uh, did get to you know get his feet wet here and there. Nelly Cummings, who was a big uh, get for the program, I think, Colgate transfer. Um, Went to Lincoln Park High School, so he's a whippy old guy. Uh, His younger brother, Brandon Cummings, is a rising junior um, who has multiple Power 5 offers. Um, So that was a big get for them. Uh, Will help tremendously uh, probably handle the the point guard duties uh, for the team this year. And then Greg Elliott, which is the most recent commit, a shooter from Marquette, um, has shot right around 40% from three through his college career. So much needed shooting. Um, we'll kind of just probably fill in that Theo Horton role as a, as a catch and shoot guy. Um, forwards, they've got Will Jeffers coming back, who has been largely disappointing, to say the least, thus far in his college career. Um, at the same time, he'll only be 19 years old, despite this being his third year of the program. John Hughley, probably the biggest get of the offseason was just getting John, Big John to come back. Blake Hinson, it was a transfer, took last year off, but uh, had has averaged 10 points a game in the SEC when he was at Ole Miss. Uh, the Diaz-Graham twins, who played this last year at IMG Academy, they're Spaniards, 6'11", foot, added some size to the roster. And Fetty Fede Federico, um, honestly probably just going to be a practice body. He's about 6'11". Um, don't see him being an ACC big, but he is on the team. So, Wow, those are all those are all names. You recognize any? Uh, Arujo Lopes. I think he'll be pretty good. <laughs> but so yeah, Squid. I, I don't know what you think. I I do think that there is um, some potential with this group. Well, obviously, I don't, I'm not going to say this can be a tournament team or anything like that. But there's enough there to get me somewhat excited in May
1: yeah I think the worry was going into this offseason that we would have the guys leave that we thought would probably leave uh John Hughley stayed that he said it's a big one but we're gonna have guys leave and Capel needs to get some like impact players we've had some duds come in from the transfer portal uh guys like last year Daniel Adapo left right away um like Chris guys, Payton. Yeah, Chris Payton. They couldn't even see the floor. So if we get a couple more of those guys, then we are going to be legitimately one of the worst Power 5 teams in the country again. But start off hot, Nelly Cummings. I think these guys that we have, they're all Power 5 guys, aside from mm-hmm. Federico, who was a Juco guy. I think all of those guys we brought in from the portal uh, have a Pretty high floor in comparison yeah. to some of the guys we brought in the past, so they can give minutes and be serviceable. I think.
2: Well, for for example, Cummings uh, was two time All Patriot League guy, scored twenty points in, in a first round uh, NCA tournament loss this year, so he's played at a pretty high level. Uh, you know, Colgate obviously only in the Patriot League, but. He's a Power 5 level player. He's a veteran player, too. Veteran, yeah. Got to run the point for them, run the show. Definitely more of a point guard than Femi was, um, so they'll have a true point guard this year. Um, I look at a guy like Blake Henson, who has averaged 10 points a game in the SEC. Um, that's much different than getting a guy like Chris Payton, who was playing at, you know, a JUCO, averaging 9 points a game, or whatever he did there. Or Dan Oladapa, who's at Oakland. Um And then I look at Greg Elliott, who is a proven shooter. Um, You know, Marquette was a tournament team last year. He played. He was a rotation guy from them. Um, You know, only averaged, I believe, around eight points a game, seven points a game. So it's not like you're bringing in uh, an old ACC-level guy, but a guy who can play at that level. Um, So we need some of these other guys to step up. I thought Jamarius Burton was pretty good last year. Um, He's a good leader. Uh, Seems like, you know, guys kind of rally around him. And then John Hughley was a was an absolute animal. Um, So if they can get, you know, if Hughley can take that next step and some of these other guys can step up, I do see a team who can be pretty competitive in the ACC. And you don't have to have guys like O, who was a former walk-on, eat up, you know, 15, 20 minutes against, you know, ACC opponents.
1: Yeah, if you look at it from a lineup standpoint, I think the problem last year was Pitt's starting five had some holes. They weren't a strong starting five. And on top of that, they had zero bench production. They were no. If you got like eight bench points in a game, you'd be happy. Uh, so just kind of throw names off the wall. It seems like the consensus of the starting lineup next year will look like Nellie Cummings at the point guard, Jamarius Burton, and Nike Sabande at the two wings. The question mark here is power forward spot. I know it's Slim Pickens in the portal, so I doubt we get a a starting power forward from the portal. And Blake Hinson seems to be the biggest of the wings. So people think that he might start as a power forward. Maybe Jorge Diaz-Graham eventually is that guy if he's ready, but who knows with those two. They've kind of been... uh, I think they'll be wild cards. Yeah,
2: I think the Twins are probably... I think you'd be asking a lot for them to step in next year. They're pretty skinny, mm-hmm. uh, you know, seem pretty skilled, but I, I don't know if they're going to be able to bang uh, from the, as soon as they step on campus. That's the thing. You said they're wild cards. If those two can come in and, like, are actually ACC level players right now, then this pit team is actually might have a chance to be, like, pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I feel like those guys are more projects than plug in and play. Um, but. Do you trust the pit coaching staff where it is now to
0: take a project and make something of it? No. Oh,
2: <laughs> so that's that. Um, I mean, can they get better here? Uh, probably. And honestly, I, I mean, it's, it's just too hard to project. The guy who's played and they've played high high school ball in America for one year, um, but they're six eleven and seem pretty skilled. So that doesn't grow on trees. So I'm excited about them being there. Um, But yeah, I mean, I think Pitt will be pretty small again. And so those guys probably will have to play a little bit. I just don't know how much they can play right now.
1: Yeah, it seems like the starting five has more firepower. You have more guys you can count on to get a bucket and not just kind of stand around and swing the ball against a 2 3 zone. Like last year, Will Jeff was starting. I felt bad for him. He was just not a contributor. He was, uh, he seemed overwhelmed and wasn't really able to create anything on offense, but he was still forced to play like 26 minutes a game for a while. And that just wasn't very good for his development. So maybe uh, easing him back into the rotation as a bench guy. is better for him. I don't know. I think we just have a few more guys we can count on to score and some more talent around John Hughley, which is, the goal. Right. I think last year sometimes it was painful to watch Pitt's offense because their best player was their big man and John Hughley needs to be fed the ball. They got to create some sort of offense him the ball and they couldn't even do that half the time. It was a struggle to even get Hugh the ball cuz you knew if you give it to him, probably gonna score. They couldn't even do that. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I think there will be more shooting. Uh Nike showed he could shoot a little bit in the in the limited action he had during the COVID year. Nelly Nelly can shoot the ball. Uh, Jamarius showed himself as a as a competent shooter. You know he's not a knockdown guy. And then, like I said with Greg Elliott, he's you know that's kind of going to be his thing. Is he's going to carve carve a role as a shooter? Last year we had a Theo Horton for some games when he wasn't in court. Um, <laughs> so, and then outside of that, there wasn't really anyone. You know Nate Santos was supposed to be that shooter, but. Have we warned any of the new transfers or recruits about the South Side yet?
1: That was probably the first thing that the cables told them. If not, they should be fired for incompetence because that's been the off the court stuff has been the biggest challenge. Yeah. The I'd, team
0: players. I'd be sitting them down and on That's saying a day. lot. I'd be sitting them down on move in day and
2: saying, Hey, have you ever been to Hemingways? I think the best uh The best thing we can hope for is that all 11 of these guys are actually available when the season starts and, you know, we don't lose a guy to a season ending knee injury in an exhibition game or, you know, someone uh, gets in a brawl on the south side or steals a car or does something else that would put their uh, status in jeopardy to actually play the games. That'll be the biggest battle. Mm Mm-hmm. Guys, yeah, remember Duane Blair? Yeah, he was pretty good. Levance Fields, Sam Young, Julius Page, Carl Krauser. Brad Knight. This is where I always like to bring up that Levance Fields like punched and or reached for a cop's gun in the strip district, and was suspended for like I don't even know if he was suspended. No, I, he was. I don't think he missed no. a game, <laughs> but those are the luxuries of when you're ranked top 10 in the country. If you, if you come off a season where you win three ACC games and, and punch a Pittsburgh parking authority, or I'm sorry, it was a tow truck driver, which I don't doubt he deserved, Um, but, but when you do that, uh, that's just karmic. Yeah. I mean, that's, you get suspended and, you know, miss out the season. Pitt gets back to, you know, top 25. Your yeah, Horn probably doesn't miss many games last year. You can throw
0: a, another student through a glass window at a bar. You, you can do whatever you want when you're winning games. As it should be.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Do you think they ever dangle that in front of players like a like a little carrot? <laughs> like, hey, if we win this game, guess
2: who gets to misbehave? <laughs> Bring back the bad boys of pit basketball. But not too bad. Be good at basketball first.
1: Yeah. She'll be not bad at basketball, and then you would be a bad boy off the court. I hated that.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Alright, that's enough. I think I think we've uh, we we've met our quota for pit basketball until at least October
1: yeah you're probably right and maybe even well past that depending on how the the season starts or until somebody just like falls off their bike and breaks their arm after the season then we'll talk about them but that's about the last I can think of question how if if this were
0: 2005 how much of this podcast do you think would be dedicated to pit basketball
2: probably more like over 50%? You think so? I mean... It'd be pretty even split. I mean, I know we would have at least talked about basketball <laughs> during basketball season.
1: I mean, they've got not fair. Pre- and not pretend that the team didn't exist. I think Steven Adams would be a cool guest to have. It would be nice to be around then. One of the best interviews in sports. We should get, like, a basketball player on at some point. Yeah, we'll see. I just
0: need one of them to be as good at basketball as, like, John Morgan
2: is at football. We'll put some feelers out there. We'll see if anyone... If any of them listen, they're probably not going to join. No, no, we're kind of mean. But anyway, that's probably a decent transition. Uh, Up
0: next, we have John Morgan, who is very cool and good at football. Please welcome on to the show, defensive end, the Trapwalker, John Morgan III. John, how you doing this afternoon?
3: Good, man. Good, man. Happy to be on with you guys.
0: Absolutely. We're happy to have you. So uh, we'll, we'll kick things off with something that we ask most of our uh, guests on the Pitt football team. How did you end up in Oakland and why did you choose the Pittsburgh Panthers coming out of DeMatha High School?
3: Um, I mean, it wasn't, it's not, it's not, it's not a heartfelt story, you know, uh, in high school, I really, I, I really wasn't, I was playing football, like, my 10th, 11th grade year, and I remember, like, it was yesterday, Coach Partridge came in, came to the school, and he brought me, he sat me down, he said, he said, I said, let me ask you a question, he said, um, he said, so he said, what's, like, what's your ass and stuff like that, I said, i do not want to go to the league, I want to play the NFL or something like that, he was like, well, he was like, well, I'm going to tell you right now, if you come here, you're not going to start as a freshman, he said, that, he, that was the, that was the first thing he told me off the jumps. So I'm like, and I'm like, 17-year-old kid, I'm like, start as a freshman. I'm like, nah, I ain't going to go here. I'm, like, I'm trying to play right now. But then, like, later in the recruiting process, he used to tell me, like, listen, he's like, he had a, a set-out plan. Like, if you come in at this point, three years from now, you'd be at this. And then five years from now, you'd be ready to go to the NFL. And, like, looking at it now, five, like five years back, I'm like, wow. Like, he lined out my whole career. From the, just from the months he first met me when I stepped foot in the bathroom. And ever since then, like, that was the first. After he told me that, I fell in love. And then I came to Oakland to the city, and I, it felt like home to me. Like, it was, it felt like a home atmosphere. So ever since then, it was it was a ride. It was like a Cinderella story. I fell in love, and I committed in June, and it was over after that.
1: Can you tell when coaches are BSing with you uh, while they're recruiting you? And I guess that's another reason why you like Coach Partridge. He tells it like it is. He's a straight oh, yeah. shooter.
3: Yeah, definitely. I mean, going through the recruitment process and high school, you can definitely tell when coaches will give you, like, uh, false smoke and stuff like that. And you can definitely tell the coaches that I really like, that was set it straight. Like, like I said, Coach Project, one that came in and set it straight, like he said, he said, I'm not going to blow you any smoke. He said, I'm not going to tell you. Oh, you're this great player. Oh, we need you. He was like, to be honest with you, he was like, honestly, he's like, if you look at our roster right now, we got, this This one they had, uh, Dwayne Hendricks, James Folston, Pat, they had Weiss. So I'm like, why would I, why, about to come, why would I come here and I got five guys ahead of me? He's like he was like, but if you look at, I'm about all these guys about have opportunity to go to the NFL in the next couple of years. So why wouldn't you come? with This is about to turn into a D line factory. And I took his word on it. As you see now, we've got we've been putting guys in the NFL ever since.
0: So um, with how stacked the D line is, and and I mean we've seen it the last couple of years. They're able to rotate ten deep uh, along the front four. Um, yeah. Is it is it? difficult or frustrating ever to be in, in such a, a heavy rotation or do you do you appreciate you know the opportunity to get a breather every once in a while and then you can come in and, and give a hundred percent on every single play with fresh legs.
3: Right. I mean I definitely think it's a blessing. I mean there's a lot of guys in college football that go into games have to play sixty snaps a game. And we're fortunate when we have the depth that we can only play thirty so we can give in those three reps our full max effort. And, I mean, I actually like it better because I feel like just, in my, just D-line in our culture, we feed off each other. So, like, it's playing like when kalaz will make a big play or about make a big play. Dead, we'll come to the sideline and go, like, all right, uh, this is going in next. Okay, y'all tell me what y'all did on the field. I got that play. So, it's kind of like back and forth. And we're, at all times, we're all ready to go. So, I definitely feel like having the opportunity to rotate a lot like that definitely is a benefit to, benefit to us for sure. So I was
2: watching uh, some some tape from the UCF game back in 2019. Um, I remember you making a few plays in that game. Haba, uh, Eric Hallett, all these guys were playing a lot of snaps in that game. That's now we're looking three years later and you guys are all still here with the program. What's that um, consistency? You know, that that rapport you guys have built with each other. How have you seen that kind of help all of you grow over the past few years?
3: Um, It's definitely helped a lot, you know, like. I want to say that 2019 season, like, we, we kind of, like, came as a group. Like, our, our class was like, man, listen, like, we have a special opportunity. We set it out. We're like, we're going to win it. We're going to try to win the championship because, we, of course, nobody knew what was going to happen. So, we was going to try to win the championship in 2020. COVID happened. Like, listen, 2021 was our time. Like, we're going to be seniors. We're going to be the top dogs on campus. We're going to be the guys people are looking up to. And it's not an opportunity to take that next step. And now, looking back from 2019 to now, it's like, man, time is flew. And I feel like we've got one of the tightest bonds in college football, honestly, because we all know our strengths, and weaknesses, and we all make sure we put ourselves in a position to help each other out, make plays. And I definitely, I love those guys. I definitely, I I can't wait to run out, on step to them further, those dudes. And I'm excited about it. Yeah, it's
1: nice to see as a fan too, because you get a, a little glimpse of the John Morgans and the Ball Baldonados once those guys ahead of them. And now it's your time. You're ready, and you've taken those steps. Uh, something I noticed was in the spring game. Yeah, I basically wrecked that game. Uh, what was that like?
0: <laughs> I, mean, I feel
1: bad for the offense.
0: You weren't letting them breathe.
3: <laughs> uh, I mean, that game, I honestly, like, I feel like, because it, it had been a long time since I was actually playing high play in Field, So, I'm like, new season coming up, backyard brawls renewing. Like, I'm trying to, like – my whole purpose of that game, I was like, I have to get – like, I have to give the fans something to, like, latch on to so they look back like, okay, in the spring game, we seen John Morgan go out and have six sacks. So, I know – I'm excited to see what he's gonna do on September 1st. Like I wanted to give him something like a like a like a tease or whatever, whatever, the case may be. And I definitely think I, I definitely think I uh, did that. I think I uh, completed my goal when it came to that. Did any of the coaches tell me to like
1: uh, maybe uh, dial it back <laughs> a bit, give the offense a chance, let yes. the offense at least
3: try? Uh, I think it was, I wanna say it was a play that we're going towards the scoreboard, and I might have I might have ran, I might have ran too close to Coastal Keaton. And Coach Narduzi came and he said, "Listen," he said, he said, he said, "Listen, man, I'm telling the offense, like, watch out for six, like six on the right side, like it was plays. He was telling them what side I was on, like make sure y'all slide to six, like don't cu- let them come free." And I kept, I said, "Coach," I said, "Coach, there's nothing you can do." I'm just like, like, you can tell them to slide, him, you can tell them to chip block me, bring a tight end. I'm like, Coach, it's nothing. I- I'm telling you, there's nothing. He like, but like, listen, man, listen. He's like, "We're going," like, "We're going to see it on film." I'm like, I'm telling you, Coach, I was like, they keep letting me go on block. It's gonna be a long day. I'm telling you right now. So, nah, it was definitely a couple of those plays out there, definitely because dudes. We,
0: we kind of have a bone to pick with you about that because we were expecting, you know, the spring game to be this this big display and really give us a good look into what the offense was going to look like next year. And we we came together to record the show, and we were like, do we have anything to talk about? Like, <laughs> <laughs> Morgan and Haba and, and Kansi were just in there before any play could develop, and we just – didn't get to see what the offense is going to look like this year. So we're a little bit angry at you. We thought we were going to have a lot to talk about. And we we just barely touched on the spring game that we had been building up for weeks.
3: It's bittersweet. <laughs> it's bittersweet. All I guess, I mean, going through spring ball, going against those guys, going against Izzy, Rodney, Big Carter, Marcus Meyer, like, the, like, honestly, like it's definitely compared to last year. It's a culture shift. Like I feel like last year was definitely like, I want to say, like, looking onto NFL offenses now, last year was more like your pro-style offense. But this year, honestly, like, watching, uh, like, spring ball film compared to NFL film, we really look very similar to, like, a 49ers offense, Green Bay Packers, two tight ends, zone downhill, offensive line is moving bodies. Like, it was, it's was, it been times, like, we like when first, Kostinetti first got here, like, the first week of spring ball, the defense didn't know what to do. We were like... What is going Because we were so used to, like, bring it out wide. You're going to throw the ball all day. Where's pass the passer? But you line up 12 personnel, two tight ends, and you're running downhill at your head. You're like, oh, this is a whole other ball game. So Like, it took us some time to really adjust. And I think that's the one thing, like, Pitt fans have been waiting on, like, a downhill run game. We can run the ball, run the ball, and then take it deep. And I think that, this year, it's going to be surprising on September 1st when we come out of that, that. No, I'll never be ready for that. Izzy and Rodney and BD, all those guys. D.C. now. It's gonna be a long day. It's gonna be a long day on September first, Rose boys. That's
0: all I'm gonna say. Yeah, Dan Carter is looking like uh, Coach Signetti's shiny new toy after that spring game.
3: <laughs> He's definitely secret, uh, we, secret. secret weapon. Secret forty. Secret forty. <laughs> yes, indeed.
0: Well, it's interesting. So, so just to clarify. We we should be anticipating a a you know ground and pound, smash mouth kind of offense this year, um, but. But you know, what the all the talk has been about the the quarterback battle. What have you seen from uh from the two new leaders in the huddle that are vying for that starting spot come September 1st?
3: Right. I mean, those two guys, they come in every day to work with their lunch pill. I mean, it's it's never it's never a dull day with those two guys. I mean, being on the defense side of the ball, I'm really not in the huddle, but I mean, just seeing how those guys lead, like it's no, there's no drop-off between the two. Like you can plug and play both of them at any point in any situation, and they're definitely gonna reach to those high stages because it's a competition for those two. But they're trying to prove to the next man, Like, listen, this is, I was here and you coming in so you got to show me why you should have an opportunity to come on. So with those two guys, man, it's definitely about every single day to compete there. It's a great friendship between those guys. I love to see it every single day and I can't wait. I mean, it's only only time will tell. I'm, I'm excited to see what Paul Cam's going to look like because that's when all the marbles on the line. So we're going to really definitely see who who's that guy but I'm excited for, at the end of the day Whoever suits up on September 1st, I'm I'm happy with. At the end of the day,
2: that's all I'm worried about. We love to hear that. That's a little reassuring. Um, I I think we both, or all three of us have kind of said, you know, we can see either of those guys coming in. And Coach Narduzzi said the same thing. Either of those guys, we can win games with either of them. Um, So I do want to shift. So you brought up September 1st. Multiple times already, uh referencing the backyard brawl. Um you as you know, you haven't been here for a West Virginia game yet. Um, it's we're reigniting the rivalry here. You're not from Pittsburgh, but do you do you feel like you personally and then the team as a whole gets a sense of like how important that rivalry is?
3: Uh yeah, definitely. I mean, that was like one of the first that was one of the first things um my show coach coach stack brought up to us. He was like, he's like, I know a lot of guys are not from this area, from the western Pennsylvania area, but this game means a lot. Like I've always, coaches have always said, like it's certain games where if a team wins that one game, that could be their Super Bowl. And he made it known as like, J could go one and eleven, but if they beat, if they beat us, their season was a success. And like he tried, he's trying to drill that in our heads, understand like those guys want what you have. You want to not you want a championship, a college championship. They want that. They want that success, and they get to come to Heinz or your home. You're the returning champions. They're going to do whatever it has to take to knock you guys down in any way possible. Like, that was like something that he's drilled in our heads a lot. And that's something we hold dear to our heart. Of the day. September 1st our first showing coming off as champions to keep that legacy going and keep building up to the next steps. I don't know if the team has noticed that.
1: I know as three Pitt fans who pay attention to every article that's written about uh, Pitt and the preseason polls, everyone's expecting a drop off because Kenny Pickett is no longer the quarterback. Uh, does the team notice that? Do you have a little bit of a chip on your shoulder, uh, even though you are the returning champs, or is it more that you have a target on your back and everyone wants to get back at you?
3: Um, no, we don't, we don't see it as a target on our back. We also see it as a chip. I mean, at the end of the day, that's just that's, – that's pit football culture. That's pick. we don't – we don't want to – we don't – we, don't, we want to be the underdogs regardless if we win 11th and won a championship. That's, that's just our mindset. We're going in lunch pail, hard work. Last year we didn't do anything, In our minds we were 0 and 10 at the end of the day. We were the worst team in ACC. We didn't we didn't accomplish anything. So at this point, going through some workouts and going through fall camp, we're trying to get to we're trying to get to another point. We're just trying to become relevant again in end of the day. We're in the mindset nobody knows who we are. We're trying to make people know make people know who we are. So that's that's our that's our mindset every single day coming into work. Just make sure we can let people know every Saturday like this is a hard nosed football team. We're going to hit you in your mouth every play. We're going to talk our stuff you're going to know we hit you in your mouth we're going to just keep every time that whistle blows six seconds of hell every single time
0: we love to hear we love to hear that you guys are you know treating this like a, a clean slate and a new opportunity to prove yourselves so for you specifically going into this year um aside from incorporating that that mindset uh, what have you been doing to improve your game? Is there anything specific you've been trying to add uh, to your game for this upcoming season?
3: Um, honestly, just being – I want to say just for me at this point, just being more of a vocal leader, honestly, I, I've never – me personally, I've never been a guy that's really spoke up in the hold. You know, I, I try to let – like, do my career, I try to let the older guys do it. At this point, I am the older guy now. So people are going to look to me at points in the game like, John, what did you see? John, could you, could you lend me some assistance on – how might I be able to beat this tackle? At this point, it's honestly, just sitting down with these younger guys and like to bring them along, teaching them my ways, or maybe, maybe just watching film, or how I take care of my body throughout the week. It's just different steps that I take that I try to bring along, and at that point, that's my that's my end goal: to win games and bring these young guys along. Because, like I said, it's, my time is almost up, so <laughs> I'm, I'm running. I'm running. I am to i, I do not know if I'm able to get seven years like John Patrice. I'm running out of the eligibility, so <laughs> <laughs> I gotta say so. Sure. I got to make sure I get these young guys ready we can do it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, um speaking of those young guys, is is there anyone that we might not be thinking of um you know, going into this year that you think is going to surprise us?
3: Um my first gut is Samuel. Samuel 1000%. Just seeing when he came in as a mid-year and seeing his progression through spring ball was amazing. Like he honestly he reminded me of myself a lot because he came in already with a predetermined mindset of what his role in the team was going to be. Samuel wants to Samuel wants to get out the quarterback. That's all he talks about. John, can we go watch the film? John, can we go on the field to do with you Samuel wants to get the quarterback. So I definitely think Samuel is definitely gonna be the guy that you can definitely see a pitching play guy when it's third down and you need third and 12. Come on, Samuel, let's get in. Let's just do it. And Samuel, will get to the quarterback. Samuel knows his game. Samuel knows his move. I mean, I, I honestly believe Sam, Samuel probably is the most flexible defensive alignment I've ever seen in my entire life. Like, he could honestly do it. Like, he could do a full split and, like, hold it. Like, it's absolutely insane. I've never met anybody like that in my entire well, life. you meant
0: literally flexible. I thought you were saying he could, like, slide down to D tackle like, or something.
3: Or, like, literally, like, com- like, flexible. Like, completely flexible. Can do a full split, almost put his foot behind his head. Like, it's absolute outrageous. Like, rubber band, man, it's crazy. Oh, that it would make for a pretty good sack celebration. Man, if he does that, <laughs> he might go viral. Right? I don't He might be in the circus only or something like that. He might try to snatch him.
0: So, you think he'll be, he might be seeing the field. He's a true freshman, right?
3: Freshman. I honestly think if everything comes to fruition, he has has a great summer like he's doing right now. He honestly might have opportunity to play this. Now. I really think so. He, he's, the, he's a special player. Like I can see him in these next coming years being one of those top. 15 sack guys, like double digit sacks back to back years. I can definitely see that. Cause I just coming as a freshman, his work ethic is on a different level. Like it, it is, it kind of caught us off guard. he was like, like, you know, as, as coming in as a major, you're like, okay, these guys still trying to figure their way out. He already had his plan laid out from the jump. Like he knew what his goal was to come in as a freshman to do. So you don't see that a lot. So I definitely, that's going to carry him a long way.
0: Yeah. Maybe if, uh, if he makes an impression early that, that might, uh, also boost our chances of landing his uh his yeah. big little brother, the
3: big little brother. Yes,
0: yeah, Samson.
3: Yes, Big Sam, Pancake Honcho, <laughs> all the time. We try, we call him. We try to call him all the time. Like, man, just 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 give us our. Come on, give us our opportunity, man. Just come on. Like-
0: <laughs> yeah, for Noah, Yeah, he's a five star, which is cool. But um, I just kind of want someone named Pancake Honcho yeah. on our team. That's. That's up there with Track Walk, tra- Trap Walker, in terms of uh, nicknames.
3: Indeed, yes, indeed.
2: So we we talked a little bit about the rivalry with West Virginia. There's another rivalry out there that we don't get to play every year, unfortunately. Um, you sounded off a little bit about it. But what what went into those tweets about Penn State? You know, a few weeks ago, I know we were eating it up. So what yeah. what, what kind of sparked that?
3: Um, honestly, man, it's just. Just I feel like understanding the background of how Pitt and Penn State like has been like portrayed, like people always come in, oh, you guys don't have a stadium. You don't, you don't fill out your stadium, this and that. And I'm just like, man, at the end of the day, I want a, I want a championship ring. Like, Philadelphia, Philadelphia State was all good and well. You can have 110,000 people. But at the end of the day, when it comes to November championship season and you playing in Bank of America Stadium in front of thousands of people, you get to put that pinky ring on that says AC champions. That's all that matters. That's I just At the end of the day, I wanted people to understand that like, the main goal in college football is to build your trophy case.
0: And build not with, t- not with like hypothetical attendance trophies. Exactly. Yeah.
3: I, I want hardware. I can get a t-shirt that says 107,000 on my back, but I, you can't, you can't buy a ring on, you can't buy a ring outside of Beaver stadium. That, <laughs> that ring comes with hard work. And I got, I got, I got that one sitting in the case. So, that's, that's always something I can always pull out and say, okay, 107,000. I got this 107 diamonds right here. So that's all I'm going to say. Amen to that. <laughs> yes, indeed.
0: Oh, that's what we love to hear from our pit players. Even if we aren't playing Penn State, you know, you, you got to understand who the true enemy is.
1: Yep. 1,000%. So we'll get back to the trap walker talk. Uh, last year, you guys went on the feet on the road, uh, walking into everyone's trap, taking over. Is there any traps you have circled this year that you're especially looking forward to playing in?
3: Um yes, uh Louisville is definitely one. Um North Carolina is another one. Since I've been here, I don't think I've never played in North Carolina. I think they played, I think we played them my shirt freshman year at North Carolina I didn't get a chance to travel that game, but North Carolina is definitely a big one. Um, like I said, Louisville is another one. Um and, I mean, my biggest game that I've got circled on my schedule is Miami at the end of the day. Miami Miami is the one that's, pers- like, and just my, like, sitting, just just sitting in my, in my room thinking every day, Miami is the thing that's on my mind. It's the last game of the season. We go to Miami, holiday, Thanksgiving. It's going to be hot, humid. Like, that was the one that I, like, once the schedule dropped, that's, that's the one I put in the red mark. I said, that's the game that I need to get my wrench back. That's the one.
2: I was going to say, they got us last year. You got to put an extra little chip on your shoulder.
3: Got to put an extra chip on your shoulder.
0: That could very well be the de facto, you know, ACC Coastal Championship at the end of the year.
3: Exactly. That game is going to be way more than a lot of conference championships. That one is going to be a big game. And that's honestly, that one's going to be televised. I I, I can't even lie to you. I think that might get college game day.
0: Well, if that one's college game day, we're going to be heading down. We're already going to the Louisville game, but that's because their bars are open until 4 a.m., but the Miami one might have a little bit more meaning. I suppose you don't get to enjoy that part of it as much, but still for us.
3: <laughs> yeah, I, wish, I, wish, I wish I could, but I wish I could. I wish I definitely could after a big win in an in a, in a opposing team's territory, go out and wear my trap walk ahead and parade through the streets, but – I gotta, I gotta, get on, I gotta, we gotta get on that plane back to Pittsburgh so we can get ready for Sunday workouts. Uh,
1: strictly business, we get it. Strictly business. So,
2: going off of that, uh, can you give us just a little bit of background on of wh- how you started with the Trap Walker? You know, just kind of give us the origin story. How okay. that, how it got started out.
3: Um. So, I want to say it might have been, I want to say it was 2020 at COVID season. And, like, we, we had just played Georgia Tech. Like, I, I feel bad, like. I love Georgia, Atlanta as a whole. Like Atlanta's a great city, but, like, Georgia Tech has just been – we've had the number for a good while. Like, in these past couple of years, we played them in Georgia three times in a row. So it's like, man, it, it, they didn't set the schedule up perfect. But that game in 2020, we had beat Georgia Tech, and we came to the locker room after the game, and they was – somebody – I forgot who said it. They was like, they was like man, we just walked in their trap. We walked in their trap. I'm like – they travel, I, kind of, I, kind of, I, I like that. That kind of raises a little bell. So I ran over to the speaker and I looked up, I looked up the song. I said, I, I typed on, on Abnissa. I said, take over your trap. And the first song popped up was the song I played on my highlight tape. I'm like, okay. So I played it and I ran and hop on the locker in this in the in the in the locker room and started dancing. And everybody went wild. So after that, like I posted that on Instagram and Twitter and people were going crazy. So after I just took the took the role, I just put on like put on like a superhero cake. I said, from now on, every away game, I told Carson, I just said, after every away game, that's our that's that's our song. We're gonna go in the locker room, have a party, and we're gonna play Walking the Trap, take over your trap. And ever since then, last year we took it on as a we took it on last year's entire team thing. That was our thing. Like every week, away game, our goal was to take over their trap. That was it. That was the key to victory. Take over that trap. It came to fruition. undefeated on the road. Those definitely were some big road games that we played in. So it was some big ones.
0: Love it. So you're, you're, you're uh, rocking the, the trap walker gear right now, as our audience will see when we upload this on YouTube. Um, And and that's sort of the, the brand that you have been pushing out through NIL. Have you, uh, have you been seeing some, well, so actually part one of the question, where can pit fans find and purchase their own trap walker gear?
3: Okay. So um, the link is in my bio on Instagram and Twitter. And, you can definitely click that. It'll take you to a, a full shop, an NIL shop. That is my um, NIL agency, uh, ran by Raheem Vick and uh, PJ Miller. They, they've set me up perfectly, have me a whole catalog of hats, beanies, hoodies, t shirts, is Trap Walker gear, swipe all the way down different colors, anything to get ready for that first game.
0: Awesome. Awesome. So, Pit fans, go check that out pretty sweet stuff uh, and you'd be supporting John Morgan III who's been holding it down for the Pitt defensive line for four years now. Uh, part two of that question would be have you been getting an appropriate amount of NIL love outside of the Trapwalker gear and if any of our fine uh, companies that are affiliated with Pitt are listening what kind of brands and products would you want to align yourself with?
3: Um, Honestly anything that could boost both sides. I mean, at the end of the day, I want to use my platform to give people a, a, another platform that people might, might not be able to reach. Because I mean, at the end of the day, college football—the landscape of college football—is growing completely. So, um, any—I'm pitching myself. This is crazy to put me on the spot, but any brand that is open to have me as a spokesperson, I'll definitely be down. I'm a great guy. Um, I really, it's not not any uh, specific brands that is that I would be opposed to working with. I'm open for any any type of business. Only business I'm not open with is anything that has to do with alcohol or drugs or any type of submissive activity. That's it. Outside of that, all all doors open. But at the end of the day, I'm just I'm just a guy just trying to make pit fans happy. That's all.
2: Well, we you love it. Based on your personality, uh, I never got to talk to you before. You know, we sat down on this Zoom link a half hour ago, but uh, you just tell like the way you carry yourself, share yourself with the conversation. Um, You're definitely a great, um, you know, representation of the university of Pittsburgh. So thank you for that.
3: Well, appreciate it.
0: So uh, uh, I guess this would probably be the the last question unless anyone had any stragglers, but I'm, I'm curious. uh, Do you think just seeing us, you know, chest up in zoom, could the three of us together at once block you?
3: Um, I, I highly doubt it. Not, no, there's this, no, this, no, this, no disrespect to you guys, but I mean, I, I probably highly doubt it. I just think of just going against Carter and Gabe Hoy and Ryan Bear, like, those are massive guys that you don't really see on a daily basis walking through your, your, uh, walking through side. So if those guys are having a hard time to block me sometimes, they, 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 they win their battles. There's been days that I've been, I've been caught, I've been caught off guard. But if, if if we if we have a battle with those, I definitely I don't know I don't know if all three of you guys at one time I don't, I really don't know I don't know about that. I don't Honestly, we the
1: combined guns. to be one Carter Warren, so <laughs> uh, that's a fair point.
0: Honestly, actually, yeah. The, if you combined our weight, I don't think we'd be like a Division One offensive tackle. So,
3: <laughs> yeah, <I'm laughs> we're scrapping I yeah.
1: told yeah. so you, to get away with
3: it. I'll say, Scrappy, you, you guys might have you know If you have great scrap answers, then it might get me. But, yeah, I, I've come across some some massive tackles in my, in my time here. So, I mean, yeah, definitely. I do have one more question before we let you go. Uh, we asked
1: your fellow defensive linemate, uh, Dayon Hayes, this question, and I'm curious if you have a similar answer. Uh, Who would win in a Royal Rumble in the defensive line room?
3: Um Royal Rumble? Wow, that's a good one. Um, first gut answer. I would probably say, i probably say, i probably say harbor I think harbor I think harbor Haba has a anime background. I think he, he'll definitely pull out some moves we haven't seen before. I mean, he's growing up in Italy, his, his brother's a, uh his brother's an MMA fighter, so I think he has some some different moves that he he might mess around and pinch a nerve or something, and make somebody go limp. So I don't know. Oliver Haber got up his sleeves. was a special guy. So I never think if I had to pick somebody, I'd never say Haber.
1: I think that was his
0: answer too. Yeah, that was, um, that was also what he said. Yeah. So we have a definitive winner here.
3: Yeah. how has Hava, got it.
0: Well, we like to think that you'd come in, in a strong second place there. Um,
3: <laughs> yeah, I appreciate it.
0: Awesome. Well, well, John, uh, we, we really appreciate your time. Um, Pit fans. Go to John. Would you want to plug your, your Instagram and Twitter real quick?
3: Yeah, um, Instagram is um John Morgan6 underscore underscore. That's on all platforms. Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. I'm trying to go TikTok viral. People have been telling me that's the way to go. If you want to get bigger NIL deals, TikTok is the, the new fandom now. So follow me on TikTok, follow me on Instagram or Twitter. I'll follow everybody back. I want to be as, as much of a spokesperson of Pitfall as I can
0: awesome go go like and follow uh check out the trap walker gear and uh john best of luck this season we're really excited to see you guys play september 1st
3: Dude, i appreciate it can't wait to see you guys out there
0: hell to pit
2: thank you for listening to the loyal sun show that's at the Loyal Sons on Twitter. Follow us there and follow us anywhere you get your podcast. Thank you to John Morgan, the third, aka the Trap Walker, for joining us and being a great representative of the Pitt Football Program. Check out the links on his and our social media. Grab some Trap Walker gear, support our Pitt Football athletes and all of their NIL initiatives. Thank you, John Morgan, once again. Thank you for all of our loyal listeners and all the loyal sons touching out there as always hail loyal sons of pittsburgh
0: reaching out touching me touching me.